Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's what That's the Christian attitude. It's what the Christian attitude is supposed to be. We're supposed to be like the second guy, not like the first guy, not like the Pharisee. And I've seen way too many Christians who absolutely act like the Pharisee with this, God, I thank you that I'm not like the rest of the lost world. Jesus says be humble. Humility is not not a a United States virtue. I'm not sure that it's a worldly virtue, but it's definitely not a United States virtue. Um, And that's okay. We're supposed to be a peculiar people. We're not supposed to look like those around us. Um, if, if we're humble, if we're humble like, like this man in this parable, then, then we're more godly. And we won't look like the world, but man, the church can be awfully smug sometimes. We have to be careful. We have to be respectful and, and treat other people and treat other people at, better than we treat ourselves. Um, we should be humble, we should be respectful to others, and usually it's the other way around and we demand that we're better than other people. Let's show proper respect to everyone. Let us, as Peter says, love the brotherhood of believers. I imagine that everybody here could name a church that has been torn apart by infighting and backstabbing. Probably we could name a few locally that have been through this. Maybe that has hit this church in its past. I don't know. It's tragic when this happens. It hurts, it hurts the church members. It hurts the witness of the church in the community. It hurts the bride of Christ. In John chapter 13, verse 35, speaking of love, Jesus says, By this men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And the love one another is about fellow Christians, right? That's the one another. It's the identifying mark of the church. Without love, we should be unrecognizable. We're just a club. Uh, but the church is the bride of Christ and defined by the love of all of us for each other. Uh, without love, people can't recognize it. And, and why join? They, they, I would think that if we're not a loving group of people, why join the church? Uh, I, I, how, would, how would they recognize that we are the truth without that love? And, and I suppose the bigger question is how can Christ recognize us if we don't have that love? You know, within the church there are many ways that love can be shown. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be just verbal and probably shouldn't be just telling people that you love them. Um, there are many ways that we show at funeral meals, 
praying for each other. That, that takes time out of your schedule. Prayer, not just a flippant, hey, God, be with so-and-so, moving on. Um, but, but actually loving one another, praying for each other, taking time to care, asking people how they're doing, listening, praying about, praying about it. Food banks tend to be run by churches. Lots of disaster aid through the church. Taking food to people, watching kids in the nursery. These are all ministries of love. There are so many ways to show love, but they need to be there if we're Christians. This is how, this is how Christ says we will be known, that we are not like the rest of the world, that we show true love. We love each other. We, we show that for if we can't If we can't show each other love, how are we going to show the rest of the world that God loves them? Make sure that you show your love to one another in this church, which is more than just attending. Uh, make sure that, that love is a part of our, our DNA as a congregation. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. When I was in high school, I went on a, church, I went on a Christ in youth mission trip to the country of Panama. Uh, it was a, it was a life changing experience at, for for multiple levels. Um, I saw I, I saw ministry in a way that I hadn't seen it before. In that sense, it changed the trajectory of my life. I also went swimming and got swept out to sea in an undertow, and and that changed my life uh, because uh, you know I woke up on the beach and they were doing uh, CPR to me and and ever after I'm not I can count on one hand after the number of times I've gone swimming after that. Um, I, I, had a, I, had a, I had a co-worker uh, when I was a locksmith that was a parachute jump instructor. But most of my co-workers mocked him and said, we cannot comprehend the vast amount of money you pay to throw yourself out of a perfectly good airplane. My opinion on swimming is very similar. I cannot understand, uh, after, that, after getting swept out to sea, I cannot understand why some people consider fighting against drowning as relaxing. <laughs> Um, I hate swimming. I still, over you know, at this point, thirty years later, I still have nightmares about drowning. That is that is the that is that is the way I don't want to go. That is the most horrifying way of because it was almost it almost happened. I I can't imagine a more terrifying way of of dying. Um, I. Uh, it's hard to describe how much I hate swimming, but I love boats. <laughs> I, I, because they save you from drowning. And 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 for a lot of my life, I wanted. I my my dream retirement was to retire to a houseboat off the coast of Scotland. I was born in Scotland. I was born on the coast of Scotland. Would love to. Yeah, for a long time, I thought that would be the, the the way to end it. I started on the coast of Scotland. Let's retire to a boat in Scotland. I don't. I don't want to go to Scotland now. They're a little crazy there. I know this is going on the internet. I can say that. Um, they're, 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 everybody's crazy, right? But Scot- Scotland, I just, I don't think I would fit in there anymore. But the concept of retiring to a houseboat still is a pretty cool idea to me. Jason, but you're scared of water. Why would you want to live on a, on a houseboat? There's a lot of things that I have a healthy fear for. I, 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 who doesn't have a healthy fear for lightning? Um, uh, my fear of water is a recognition of its power. Just because there's a thunderstorm doesn't mean I'm going to cower in, in terror from it, but I recognize who's going to win that fight. Uh, water, I recognize that it is a powerful force. Um, 
There are some things I really like about water, but it's still a powerful force. The Bible says over a hundred times, fear the Lord. Now, some people say, oh, Jason, that just means respect God. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 22, God says, Should you not fear me, declares the Lord, should you not tremble in my presence? Tremble in my presence means more than just respect. That doesn't mean that there isn't a respect for God. But, but the Greek word for fear in the New Testament, when it says fear the Lord, that Greek word is phobos. And phobos is more than just respect. People with arachnophobia, and obviously phobos is where we get the phobia, have a healthy respect for spiders and a little bit more. Um, we, we have, in the church of the 21st century... We have spent so much time making God, uh, ma- ma- making God into Daddy, uh, that we forget that He's more than that. He is our, He is Abba. He is He is Daddy, but He's also more than that. And there's a danger in, in lopsidedly making God just a one-sided Daddy figure. Uh, we've gotten, we've gotten maybe a little too cozy. I, I think that we take God for granted. Um, I, I, I fear, I, the, the danger in making God daddy is that sin becomes naughty. But sin is more than that. Uh, there, there's a French saying, God will forgive me, that's his job. Well, that's very lopsided. God does forgive us. That is part of his job. But if that becomes our only way of looking at God, then, then we sin without consequence. We don't worry about getting rid of sin. Uh, that's, that's not repentance. Sin is more than just being naughty. God hates it so much that he sent Jesus to die for it. It is vile and disgusting to him. If we fear God then, and lived with the understanding of the consequence of sin, if we feared God, then many of us would surely live lives that are pleasing to him and not blow off sin and say, well, it's his job to, to, to forgive it. It doesn't matter. If we feared God, we would take him very seriously. And if we took God seriously and the world saw us take God seriously, then they would take God a little bit more seriously. That's, that's where I'm heading with this. When the church doesn't take God seriously, how can we expect the world to take us or our message seriously? Yes, God is our loving Father. I don't want to undermine that. That is a facet of who he is, but there is so much more. And he is also a God who does what he says. He flooded the earth. Uh, again and again in the Old Testament, we are, we are told that God is mighty and powerful and the destroyer of nations. And in Revelation, we see that, that God is mighty and powerful, and that when he comes back, the descriptions that he comes back with sword and with blood-drenched robes, that that's how Christ will return to earth, and that every knee will bow, but not every knee will bow willingly, I think. Um, and I think that, that we soften uh, Jesus and the message of Christ too much to our detriment that what we, what we show is an ineffective God who loves everybody and doesn't care what you do, that... that that grandma figure that you can do no wrong for. But, but Jesus is more than that. And, and, and so when, Paul says, when Peter says, fear God, let's, let's keep that healthy respect of the fact that he is God and we are not, and he can destroy universes, 
And there should be a healthy respect that when God says knock it off, he means it. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. In Romans chapter 13, Paul goes to great lengths to tell us to submit to the government. Jesus reminds us to pay our taxes. Peter is speaking along similar lines. Christians should be the best kind of citizens. Now, somebody's going to say, but when Peter wrote this, Christians were being thrown in prison. They were being treated terribly. They were even being executed. Um, Jesus' words, I think, are the balance in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse 15. But when the chief priests... You might, no, I'm in the wrong... My page is stuck together again. Try this again. When the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then. What is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose portrait is this, and whose inscription? Well, Caesar's, they replied. And then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and so they left him and they went away. Give to God his due. Where there is no conflict, give the government your respect and allegiance as well. Uh, Increasingly, we do live in a world that hates the church more and more. Um, I have heard, I I have no way of proving this, but I've read about in Canada, that there is a uh, that there is a preacher. Uh, there, there were a few preachers that were thrown in jail for daring to preach the Book of Romans, which is not very LGBTQ friendly. Um, uh, Romans calls out homosexuality as a sin, and there is a judge I have heard of in Canada who has said that that is hate speech, uh, and and has thrown if this if these stories are true has thrown preachers in in prison. What I've looked into it, it's true. That's always been overturned. People higher in the, in the legal system have overturned his rulings. But that day is coming. That day is coming when the message of the church does not align with the message of the world, and we will get increasingly in trouble. I mean, that's the case in other countries in the world. There are countries where it is illegal to preach Jesus. It is illegal to evangelize. And then a decision has to be made. Are we legal or are we biblical? By and large, you and I were probably raised in a country where, as I said, what was moral what was, was also what was legal. There is no biblical promise that, that, world will conti- that God owes us that world, that that will continue. Uh, it is not illegal to preach Jesus at this point in time. It is not illegal in the U.S. to preach all of the Bible, every chapter, at this point in time. There may come a day, and when that day comes, I will get in trouble. I will preach the Bible. I will preach all of the Bible. Um, and, and if I get in trouble for doing it, so be it. But other than that, my goal is to be a model citizen, a good citizen, um, in, in all areas that do not oppose the Bible. Part of being a good citizen means being a Christ-like citizen. And so, knowing that, when it's time to vote, you know, how, 
We ask, what would Jesus do? That applies, how would Jesus vote? Um, the separation of church and state is a good thing. It protects the church. I, I like separation of church and state. I do, I do. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to vote. I'm going to vote my biblical values. Um, I, everybody votes their values. If the economy is the most important thing to you, you will vote accordingly. Uh, if, if, uh, if, if money is more important, you will vote your wallet. If the environment is the most important thing to you, you will vote your values. Uh, if, if party is, more, is the most important thing to you, you will vote party lines every time. I want the Bible to be my, my values. Um, not, not party more than anything. I just want to be biblical. and I want my vote to reflect, reflect my biblical values. Um, and I want to express my concerns when I vote my biblical concerns, my, my, my biblical values. Uh, if that looks vaguely traditional, as that one friend of mine accused me of being traditional, I think traditional biblical values are fantastic. I absolutely do. Um, I won't tell you who to vote for. That's not my place at all. I will tell you how to vote, and I will tell you vote biblical. If you are a Christian, you should be Christ-like in how you vote. All right, in, moving on then. In, 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 uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, we, we left off in verse 17. I want to read verse 18. Slaves, submit yourself to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. All right, so this is a part of the Bible that sometimes gets misunderstood. Um, because people can't get past the surface reading. The surface reading is, oh, there's a conversation about slaves, and Peter doesn't say, free the slaves. Therefore, the Bible is, is, is endorsing slavery. What a terrible book. Why are we following this? It's outdated and ancient. We should throw it away. It's not uh, 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 what, a ter- what a terrible practice. The, the Bible, let's understand what the goal of the Bible is. The goal of the Bible is to make us Christ-like and to prepare us for eternity with God. The goal of the Bible was never meant to make, to make utopia, paradise on earth. Uh, there, are, there are monarchies in the Bible. Uh, I don't think that there is a republic. I don't think I see socialism in the Bible as a government form, certainly. Uh, the Bible's not out to make the perfect government. It, it defends monarchy. Some, some might argue it, 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 it certainly doesn't condemn tyranny. It, doesn't, it, it tells us how to treat people. It doesn't condemn slavery. It, the Bible is about the human condition and how we as individuals who follow God interact with the human condition, overcome the fallen human nature to become Christ-like to prepare us for our next home. Uh, it, it's not making paradise on earth. There are a lot of things in the Bible that God doesn't address uh, because its goal isn't to fix things on this earth, not in its entirety, because we can't fix things on earth in their entirety. We're getting ready for the next one, for, the, for our next life. It does tell us that this world is a rough, terrible, sinful place where we will suffer if we do what is right. And it helps us through that. Jesus suffered unjustly. He was always right, and he still got crucified. We, if we're being Christ-like, will suffer 
unjustly. That is an important message for today. In the year 2021, we, if we're being Christ-like, will suffer unjustly. So, why do we suffer? Well, if we deserve it, that's, Peter says that's, that's, that's not what we're talking about. If you do something wrong and you suffer for it, you cheat on your taxes, the government pursues you and, 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 and fines you, well, you've earned that, we want to suffer for the right reasons, and, and then we want to be Christ-like in how we suffer. And, and for the right reasons, if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Wrong reasons... In dealing it in a different way, uh, that's, that's not what Peter's talking about. As a Christian, we will suffer, and we're told, endure it. Hang in there. The going is tough. But if we suffer for being a Christian, we are called to endure it, and, and that we are storing up for We're not trying to fix it in this earth. We're storing up rewards in the next life. Our, um, I, I want to close with, first, with finishing up the chapter. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted him judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's the call. Jesus didn't fight back. He endured. He forgave. He never, he never quit being godly in his character. Jason's desire is to get indignant, to fight back, to try to fix things now. My goal is to have a Christ-like witness, and that comes with Christ-like integrity. Jason gets it wrong a lot, but Jesus always gets it right and sets me the example. The best advertisement for a church, for Christ himself, is a Christian with integrity. It honors God, and it silences the skeptics. Our hymn of decision today is hymn number 635, Have you made the decision to honor God with your life, to give him your life? It's not about Sunday morning attendance. You could come here week after week for your whole life, and it's not enough. Don't get me wrong. I think think that Sunday morning church is fantastic. I think because because I think between the praises, which is what eternity will be, praising God for eternity, I I think with, with the sermons, uh, and and we, we learn what the Bible says. I think that knowledge is a wonderful thing. But knowledge not put into action uh, is, is biblically is useless. If we don't take what we learn and put it into practice, it doesn't do any good. And we, we, putting it into practice, feeding the, feeding the poor, um, um, housing the homeless, these are all wonderful things, but non-Christians can do that. It starts, not finishes, it starts with becoming a Christian, being faithful to him, uh, in, in faith, in repentance, in baptism. Uh, that's where it begins. If you haven't made the decision to be a Christian, let's talk. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.